Well, can I add my welcome uh, to Eddie's? It's great to see so many of you here this evening and so many uh, guests and visitors. It's lovely, especially lovely to see you uh, and have you join with us as we celebrate uh, Christmas time together. Uh, my name's, for those of you who don't know, my name's Lee Campbell. I serve as the pastor teacher here uh, at Strandtown Baptist Church. Um, currently, my favorite uh, Christmas story uh, this year uh, is a story that's set in probably an unlikely spot. It's set in the men's changing room. Uh, in David Lloyd Jim. Um, I want you to imagine the scene. Well, maybe not, maybe not imagine the scene, but uh, all the men are changing. Uh, an unattended phone by the mirror goes off. Everyone sort of stops what they're doing. They look up. After several rings, they're waiting for someone to, to answer the phone. Finally, one guy does up his belt, goes over and answers the phone, but it's in an awkward place. Uh, the acoustics in the room, everyone can hear the conversation. And on the other end of the phone, everyone can hear the voice of a teenage girl. Uh, Daddy, uh, I'm just in finishing off the Christmas shopping. Um, and I've just seen uh, my ideal Christmas present, uh, a beautiful set of diamond earrings. Uh, they're in the Christmas sale. They're reduced. They're only £2,500. Can I get them, please? Please, please, Daddy. Uh, And he says, sure, it's Christmas. She doesn't stop there. Uh, She goes on to say, well, I've just also spotted uh, a pair of shoes that would go with the earrings, that would go with the cocktail dress that I have. Uh, They're Jimmy Choo shoes. uh, And again, they're at a reduced price. They're only £475. Can I get them as well? Please, Daddy, please. And he says, no problem. It's Christmas. But she isn't finished there. Uh, finally, she says, uh, uh, remember that bag, that Louis Vuitton bag that you wanted to get me for my birthday and you weren't able to get it? Well, well, it would just complete the whole outfit if I could have that bag. Uh, and again, it's, it's at a reduced price. It's only 900 Uh, and 75 pounds. Um, The man pauses for a moment and says, oh, well, go on ahead. It's Christmas. Oh, thanks, Daddy. You're the the best. You're the best. And the man hangs up the phone. He turns around to see all the other men in the changing room, utterly astounded, mouths open, stunned at this man's wealth and at this man's extraordinary generosity. And the man, simply with a big, toothy grin, holds up the phone and says, does anyone know who owns this phone? (laughs) I want to suggest to you this evening, I want to suggest that actually, maybe quite surprisingly for some of you, that actually that teenage girl has the right idea about Christmas. She's the right idea about Christmas. Um, don't, don't listen to all those moral people uh, who say, oh, Christmas is not about getting, it's about giving. Uh, actually, when the Bible comes to explain the meaning of Christmas, uh, the Bible insists that Christmas is not about what you give. Christmas is actually about what you get, what you get. Uh, and I want to just take a minute just to sort of explain that um, by using one sentence, one sentence from the Bible. I thought this might be 
going at Christmas at a slightly different angle this year. Uh, This is a sentence written by a a guy called uh, Paul, who was one of the first followers of the Lord Jesus, uh, someone who went around the Middle East uh, promoting Christianity, planting churches. And he wrote to one of his friends, uh, a fellow worker uh, called Timothy. And in a little section of his letter to Timothy, where he's talking about how he became a Christian, uh, he says these words, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. And in this little sentence, I believe, uh, Paul actually unwraps the true gift of Christmas for us all this year. He, he gets past all our cultural wrapping uh, of the tinsel and the turkey and the presents and the parties and the puddings. Uh, he gets past, however, the biblical wrapping as well. Of, of shepherds and wise men and stars and angels uh, and gets us to what is at the very heart of the Christmas message. And I think there are three elements, three truths that we need to understand if we are ready to receive the true gift of Christmas this year, uh, which should make us reach out and grab it uh, and rip it open. Uh, here's the first one. Here's the first one. Christmas is real. Christmas is real. Jesus, Christ Jesus, came into the world. Just glance back at our little sentence. Christ Jesus came into the world. Christmas uh, is real. If we go to our next slide. Uh, Some of you will be fans, no doubt in a crowd this size, some of you will be fans of the Jack Reacher uh, series of, of novels. Um, again, great bubblegum reading if you're by a swimming pool in the summer or whatever. Um, they've been so popular, however, though, that series of novels that over 60 million copies have been sold. So popular, in fact, that they've made two movies of two of the different novels, uh, both starring uh, Tom Cruise uh, in the leading role. But for the eagle-eyed among you, for the super fans out there, if you watch the movies carefully you will spot, uh, in a minor role, acting as a cop, Lee Child. Now, Lee Child is the author of the Jack Reacher novels, the creator of all the characters. And what he's done is he's written himself into the story. And in a sense, that's exactly what Christmas is all about. What we have is that the one who is in charge of all human history, the one who created all the characters has written himself into real human history uh, in the person uh, of the Lord Jesus. Paul uses the language of Christ Jesus. There's a lot of confusion there about that that, that label. Um, Christ is not Jesus' surname. My name is Lee Campbell, my, my surname, my family name. Christ is not Jesus' family name. It's actually a title. It's maybe closer to, which is why Paul puts Christ first, the title Christ first in that little sentence. It's more like Bob the Builder, or perhaps closer, Elizabeth the Queen. Christ means anointed one. It means king. Jesus is the king. And if you are, are a Bible reader, then you would know that Throughout all of the Bible story, there is a promise of a coming king, a great ruler who will be born in the family of David. 
we just had a reading from uh, Isaiah 9, uh, a prophet who lived about 700 years before Jesus. Uh, we see the words on the screen, and he predicted the coming of a child, a son would be born from the family of David, who would be God's chosen, promised king, who would bring in a kingdom of righteousness and justice for, for all. But if you read the, the, the prediction very carefully, you'll see that this, this king who was to come, the one who would do that, is no ordinary man. Uh, he's described as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, whose kingdom will last forever. He will never die. Clearly, that language doesn't fit with any human being. Uh, this king who was to come would be none other than God himself shrunk down to become a man who would write himself into the human story. And that's what we believe as Christians has happened that very first Christmas. We've been singing about Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's essentially what Christmas is about. God has written himself uh, into our story. Uh, and what we th- see in the elements, the famous elements of the story of, of shepherds and angels and stars and wise men uh, is actually not just the ingredients that make up a really cute nativity play. Um, these are the things actually we should expect to happen if God were to come. If God were to come, what would you want? If God were to come, what would you want? You would want it to be unambiguous, supernatural, and publicized to all. Is that not what you'd want? You'd, be, you'd want it to be no doubt. And in fact, that's what we have at Christmas, isn't it? God has done exactly that so that 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away, in this room, everyone, from the youngest to the oldest, knows the, the, the events of that first Christmas. God has come. He shrunk himself down to become one of us and has publicized it throughout the world, leaving us all in no doubt. He has come and he lived a life uh, among us, witnessed uh, by eyewitnesses who wrote down what they saw in the f- those first four biographies in the New Testament, biographies of Jesus written by Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Uh, and these are historically accurate, reliable accounts. You ask any respectable historian and they'll tell you uh, that these accounts are historical. We know they're historical because we have so many copies, uh, ancient copies of what was written down, that we can spot where, where, if there's any errors or variants. Uh, they, they contain characters like, um, like uh, Pilate the governor, um, John the Baptist, um, um, King Herod, characters that are attested in, in other secular historical accounts. And we know that, uh, as we've just heard read from the beginning of Luke's gospel, the, the writers themselves interviewed carefully the eyewitnesses. What we have in those New Testament documents are accurate accounts and attested accounts of what really happened in real history. And when you read them, they're actually remarkable. When you read of what Jesus taught teaching that hasn't been improved on in 2,000 years that has captivated the minds of millions. He was able to do remarkable miracles that cannot be easily denied or explained away, even by his enemies, raising the dead, healing the sick, and ultimately, supremely rising from the dead himself. What we have 
at Christmas time is that Christmas is real. Christ Jesus came into the world. God shrunk himself down uh, and wrote himself into our human story. God has come and he paid us a visit. But why did he come? But why did he come? That takes us to the next truth that we need to understand if we're going to understand Christmas. And that is that Christmas is relevant. Christmas is relevant. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. Now, I wonder, do you recognize this little guy? Anyone know who this little guy is? Anyone? If you've got children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, these, these little guys are everywhere at the moment. What, what is he? Elf on a Shelf, Elf on a Shelf, okay. For those of you who are not familiar with Elf on a Shelf, the story behind Elf on a Shelf is really simple. Santa can't be everywhere. How does he, how does he know who should be on the naughty list, who should, be, know who should be on the nice list? Well, he sends out these little helpers to, to sit around in the family home on a shelf, on a chair, on a table somewhere, just to see and observe what is going on. And then every night he pops back to the North Pole. He tells Santa uh, what he's seen uh, so that Santa can decide who's on the naughty list and who's on the nice list. But I want you to imagine for a moment that this little guy could hear everything you said. Everything you said behind closed doors. Everything you said that was cruel and unkind that you muttered under your breath. Everything you say when you're alone behind the wheel of a car. But worse than that, imagine he could know what you were thinking. Imagine he could know all of the the cruel, ill-wishing thoughts that you had. All the angry thoughts that you directed towards other people. Uh, Imagine he knew all the cruel, lustful, selfish thoughts that you had. Suddenly this little guy doesn't look quite so cute anymore. I actually think he takes on a slightly more sinister tone, doesn't he? Because he would know who we really are. He'd know what we're really like. Uh, And I think we'd all have to admit, we'd all have to admit that what would be on that little list that would be reported back to Santa There'd be a lot of rotten, shameful things on it, wouldn't there? For all of us. For all of us. But according to the Apostle Paul, we're not just naughty. We're not just naughty. We're actually sinners. Now, I know that's not a PC word. We don't really use words like that anymore. Um, But it's just a Bible word. And the Bible word simply means uh, it's used to describe our rejection of God Uh, our ignoring of him and our decision to live our lives for ourselves as if God isn't there and doesn't matter. You see, in one sense, we're all a bit like the people uh, of Ashurst Wood in East Sussex uh, from a few years ago. Back in the noughties, uh, the people of Ashurst Wood declared themselves to be independent from the British government and taxation. They actually wrote to the Prime Minister, they wrote to the Queen, and declared themselves to be the People's Republic of Ashurst Wood Nation State, or prawns for short. Uh, They hired a retired retired colonel to be their Secretary of Defence, and they set up a checkpoint uh, on the East Grinstead Road. The trouble with the whole uh, rebellion uh, collapsed, however, uh, when they couldn't issue visas fast enough for all the postmen and the milkmen that they needed to bring in uh, their supplies into the town. 
That's an amusing, ridiculous example, but the reality is we're, we're all a bit like that. We've all declared naturally, we want to declare our independence from God. We want to live our lives for ourselves as if he's not there and doesn't matter. And that selfish, rebellious attitude, actually, when you know what to look for, we can see it all around us. We can see it at a global scale where selfish rebellion is played out among nations where there's fighting for oil or fighting for religious dominance. We see it played out in our offices, in the hospital, uh, at the school, uh, where uh, people are fighting, colleagues are fighting each other to get ahead and get promotion. We see it in our homes, perhaps especially at Christmas time, where we have a bit more time and we're up close and personal with one another, where we see each other fighting for attention or to get our own way. I think we'd all have to admit that the word sinner is an accurate description for each and every one of us, isn't it? And Jesus consistently taught, if you choose, and if I choose to live my life as if God isn't there and doesn't matter, if I ignore him and reject his, his loving rule in my life, then ultimately God will respect that decision eternally and will be cut off from him for eternity. The trouble is, God is the source of all goodness and all beauty and all truth. And to be cut off from God means to be cut off from all of those good things. And that is what lies before us if we choose to reject him. I don't know what you think Christianity is all about. Maybe you think Christianity is for religious people. Christianity is church and religious things. That's for good people. And if that's you, then um, I think you're horribly misinformed. The flip side is if you think you are a good religious person, then according to this, Jesus has not come for you. He's not come for you. But if you'd honestly admit that you are a sinner, someone who has hurt other people, offended God, then the good news of Christmas is that God has come for you and he's come for me. Christmas is real. Christmas is relevant for all of us. And then lastly, Christmas is about a rescue. Christmas is about a rescue. Back to our sentence again. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To save sinners. I came across a really moving story a few weeks ago. It's a story of a guy called Gareth Griffin. Uh, back uh, in uh, 2007, he was traveling in America. He came to Florida and he went to a flight school, did a few lessons and, and did a tandem uh, skydive with a very experienced instructor called Michael Costello. Uh, as they were jumping, and what should have been a wonderfully, like the picture, a wonderfully exciting uh, and joyous experience that he looked back on with fondness became a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Because in a freak accident, when the two men jumped out together out of the airplane, uh, after a 150 feet free fall, Michael Costello pulled the ripcord, nothing happened. He pulled the emergency cord of the backup chute. Nothing happened. And as these two men hurtled towards the ground, Michael Costello, in an amazing act of courage and self-sacrifice, managed to maneuver himself underneath Gareth Griffin so that he hit the ground for first and took the full force of the impact and was killed instantly. But amazingly, amazingly, Gareth Griffin survived, falling from that height. According to the New Testament, in a sense, that is 
getting close to what Jesus has come to do. He's come to rescue us. He's come to sacrifice himself so that we could have life, that we could have forgiveness, be part of God's family, and have a future. But for us to have those things, he's got to die. He's got to sacrifice himself in our place. And that's what the cross is all about. An amazing act of courageous self-sacrifice to bear the penalty that we all deserve for our sin so that we could have access to all of those good things. That is what the gift of Christmas is all about. Jesus has come to save us, to save us. Now I know that some of you, uh, as you listen to this, will think, who are skeptical, will think this is all, you know, doing miracles, rising from the dead, come on, we're in the realms of fairyland here. This is, cannot be true. Uh, if, if that is your reaction to these things, then I have a challenge. I have a Christmas challenge for you. Uh, my challenge to you is if you have not read the New Testament, one of the, the New Testament biographies that I was just talking about, perhaps like Matthew, if you've never read it as an adult, then I challenge you as a responsible adult or an inquisitive teenager, I challenge you to read it for yourself. Listen to his teaching before you too quickly dismiss uh, a second-hand judgment. Uh, perhaps you're here this evening and you're a Christian. You're at the totally other end of the spectrum and you're a Christian. Uh, my challenge for you is a little different. Uh, my challenge for you is in the immortal words of Sainsbury's. Uh, and that is Christmas is for sharing. Christmas is for sharing. If, Jesus, if Christmas is real, uh, if Christmas is relevant, and Christmas is about a rescue, then my challenge to you is to share it with your friends and family, neighbors, classmates, and colleagues. People are simply, in our culture, not hearing this anymore. And so the onus is on us to talk about it, to try to persuade them who are in our circle that we're rubbing shoulders with to investigate these things honestly for themselves. Perhaps you're here this evening and you're a, uh, what I've said has sparked all sorts of questions and objections in your mind. But what about, surely that can't be right if, uh, and if that's you, then I have, we have something for you too. Uh, we have a little uh, invitation for you because we're running an, uh, an inquirer's course called Alpha. Uh, and that would be starting in the 15th of January. And that would be a brilliant place for you to come and bring those questions, bring those objections, and honestly investigate these things for yourself. Uh, the details are on this little card, which you can find uh, in the foyer. Perhaps you don't want to wait till then. You want to maybe read something a little bit more uh, about these things now. We have this little booklet for you. Again, free gift for you to take, uh, to read, uh, and maybe uh, hopefully we'll answer some of your questions uh, over the Christmas period. Again, that is available in the foyer. And we have some of these stars that were given one. Now, again, this will be hard to police, uh, but we trust you. One for every family, a little Christmas decoration with our theme sentence on it. And we're very grateful to those who folded all those stars this Christmas. Uh, a very big thank you to you. I want to finish now with a prayer. Perhaps you're in maybe in a crowd this size, there's maybe one or two of you who maybe have been thinking about these things for a long time and maybe have been wrestling with them and even now, maybe you're convinced that these things are true and you want to respond right now. Uh, if that's you, please tell someone if you do. Uh, and I want to just uh, pray a prayer. 
Uh, if you want to respond, you can echo it in your own heart in silence. And I've just taken the words of one carol, uh, and I've personalized them a little bit, and we'll use them as a prayer as I hand back uh, to our musicians. Let me pray for us as we finish. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in, be born in me today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to me, abide with me, our Lord Emmanuel. I just uh, encourage you to remain seated um, at this point and our wonderful choir are going to lead us um, in a song for you to, to listen to and just take some time um, to think on what, what Lee shared with us there. So um, the choir will lead us as, as we remain seated.